we are also quick to consult the internet, consult our Facebook friends, consult our doctor, and mental health is no different. There's somebody else out there that has some solutions. So if the more they could think about it in terms of, I'm just trying to solve a problem that I don't have the answer to, or I need a different set of solutions for the, the challenge that I have in front of me, I really think that could help. Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoy today's featured message. Hi, it's Mike with the Portage County Safety Council. We're here doing a special podcast series on mental health awareness for Mental Health Awareness Month. And we have a great special guest speaker. I can't wait for to hear what she has to say and teach us about depression. So Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. So Kelly, tell our listeners that may not be familiar with who you are. I know you've done podcasts with us in the past, but just tell them a little bit about what you do, who you are, and what you do on the community. So my name is Kelly Youngkins, and I am a clinical supervisor, a licensed professional clinical counselor and supervisor. I work for Family and Community Services in Valley Counseling, which is a behavioral health program of FCS. I provide clinical supervision to our staff in our community. I'm also a clinical consultant through Kelly Youngkins Consulting LLC, and I provide individual counseling and coaching services and tailored learning events to not only professionals in the mental health industry, but also outside industries. Awesome. So today we're here to talk about depression. And you kind of hear this word thrown on a lot from it's become kind of a casual language. And we know there's clinical depression and some really severe cases. And we also know people casually just when they're not in a good mood say I'm depressed. So help us like define what depression actually is. So like any mental health issue that falls on a continuum, you can experience some symptoms and a significant amount of symptoms. And those symptoms can pull together in, in creating a syndrome or an actual disorder, such as clinical major depressive disorder. But depression is basically a disruption in your, in your mood and your energy. And so some of the common symptoms are lethargy, apathy, you often have experiences in changing in your eating or sleeping pattern, and there's just a general disinterest in your interest level and motivation and in, in participating in activities that even the ones that you typically enjoy. You may feel sad, a persistent feeling of sadness or hopelessness, or you just may feel blah. You mentioned a continuum. So are there levels to depression then? There absolutely are. And so the first, at more of like the lower level, is you can experience depressive symptoms that maybe be, are be beneath the subclinical threshold level. And so you can recognize that you're not feeling quite yourself. You might be feeling down, very tired, just not really yourself and maybe experiencing some mild symptoms of uh, of depression. So maybe you notice that you're maybe you have an increased appetite, or maybe you don't have an appetite at all. Maybe you're sleeping more, maybe you're sleeping less. But then it can also go all the way to the other end of the continuum, where someone can experience a major depressive episode, which is fe persistent feeling of sadness and changing in your level of functioning for two weeks or more. And that level of intensity of clinical depression, somebody can generally notice that they are not quite themselves. It may even be severe enough to where they might notice themselves feeling very hopeless and helpless and having thoughts of even wanting to end their life. 
even if they really don't want to die, because major clinical depression can really take us there and feeling very down to where we just may not even feel the will to live. And I think there's a danger in judging someone with depression, right? We talk about a, a stigma, and that's not really where I'm going with this. But I know if we experience lower levels of depression, we tend to, when dealing with other people, we say, ah, I've been depressed. Just get over it. Get up and get off the couch and get moving. As if, and it's not always necessarily that it's not that a bad advice is where they can't get up and get, that would help maybe a little bit or whatever. What I'm saying is, it's just like, they don't really, if you don't experience that yourself, it can yeah. be really difficult to understand what that person is going through and why everything in them is fighting to move or do the things that you normally would want to do. And yeah. so how can we approach someone if we, you know, I think we just react like that. How do we, how can we approach this, especially with other people to say, you know, let me back off a little bit. Let me just kind of figure out what they're going through and how, how it could help from a business. What advice would you give them? Absolutely. Just that, Mike, I like what you said of like kind of backing up and taking a step at first, educating ourselves, understanding that depression, just like any mental health issue does occur on a continuum and educating ourselves that there are levels of the depression that you just can't pull yourself up by the bootstraps, as the saying goes, major, major clinical depression is a, is an, is a disorder of functioning to where somebody literally cannot force themselves to have the motivation. They are experiencing something in their chemical combination or their general functioning. They literally just can't force themselves to be happy. They need treatment. They need, maybe they need therapy. Maybe they need medication or a change in their diet or exercise. There's other stuff that has to happen. They just can't decide to make that decision to not be depressed. Right. That's a big deal. Understanding that. I think if you haven't experienced that, Yeah, it can be really hard to kind of zero in and we're just like, I'll just suck it up, man up, whatever uh, cultural innuendo we want to use for that. But it's it's a pretty big deal. So how big of a deal is it in America? I mean, the Western world. I mean, is it just a few people that have it? It's a large percent. I mean, it's something you hear all about all the time now. So is it just because we're exposed to the word or is there that many people that suffer from depression in America? The last statistics that I'm familiar with is that, you know, the general, the the general statistic is that one out of five people are going to experience a mental illness at some point in their life. And that one out of 25 of us will experience a major mental health disorder at some point in our life. And so if you did the math, I, you know, I'm not really sure how many people are on this earth anymore or in our, in our nation, but if you did the math, one out of 25 is a pretty low number. And so I would have to say that it's a pretty common experience. And so that we, I am pretty confident that anybody that's listening is highly likely to know somebody that mental health um, issues or mental illness has impacted. At least a handful. Most people I know. If not themselves. Right. Absolutely. So it's definitely a common thing out there. Mm-hmm. So flipping the script a little bit, not dealing with other people, but how do we know if we had it? We're feeling down. Maybe we're feeling lethargic. We're starting to get the symptoms. And maybe it's a medical condition. Maybe it's not. Maybe we're tossing it in our minds. We're saying, hey, I don't know if I have it. I, don't, I feel sad, but I don't. I don't know what going through. How do we actually come to self-awareness to say, hey, this might be something I need to look into. Am I depressed? That's a great question, Mike. I think, first of all, starting with your, like you said, the self-awareness is most people, they have an understanding that something might not be quite right. They can have that feeling, that general intuition of, I I don't feel quite like myself. 
But there's also the element that goes back to a core philosophy about counseling is that we can't know ourselves by ourselves. If we're trying to understand of, about ourselves of what might be going on, sometimes we need somebody, an outside opinion to help us assess what our symptoms and our current level of functioning is and give us that professional feedback or just the feedback in general of, hey, this is what seems to be going on and this is how severe it is to be able to recognize if it's depression, if it's just a response, normal life response to stressors and life changes, I think we have to be aware of that, that we're all human beings that experience a lot of loss and tragedy and changes in our life. And we can feel down and we may even say that we're depressed for a period of time. But to meet the criteria for actual depression requires a certain amount of symptoms for a certain time duration. And sometimes we need a professional to help us recognize that. The other piece of that that I would say, and not only just a mental health professional to help us recognize that, but one of my clinical philosophies is to always rule out a general medical condition. So if somebody's asking themselves out there, like, I think I might be depressed, they may benefit from taking uh, some thought here in thinking about what kind of medical conditions that they have and working with their medical provider in, in assessing if there's something generally medically going on that could be creating mental health symptoms, because that's very common. There are a lot of general medical conditions that create psychiatric symptoms or that can mimic them. So first ruling that out, that will help people understand what's going on with ourselves. And then second is then maybe seeing a mental health professional to seeing if, if, if it qualifies as a, a mental health illness. I actually have a personal story with that I don't mind sharing. Probably like 10 years ago, I was teaching classes for adult education and I started having anxiety and different things. And I, that was new to me. It lasted a few weeks. I went to the doctor and I was like, man, I should go get counseling. I, I, something, something's off with me. My joints are aching. I mm-hmm. feel, I'm feeling like I'm dealing with anxiety. And uh, it was strange because I never dealt with it before. So trying to process it mentally, what that looked like. And I did go get blood work done. I went to my normal family doctor and I got diagnosed with hypothyroid. Well, within three weeks of taking that thyroid medicine, no more anxiety, no more joint pain. So there, there was a painful. chemical issue. And so I think you make a really good point. The mental health and medical needs to be integrated. And unfortunately, we're not quite there yet in our society. We, we have we're both, working on it. <laughs> both are growing on it and it's growing there. So definitely hit, hit at all angles because you might discover something that affects the other one, either, no matter what side of the, the fence you're on with that. So if we discover we have depression, how do we prevent it? Again, it's going to be different if you have that clinical, more severe level of depression. But if we're just seeing like we're casually making this gradual move into depression, what can we do to like stop it and try to reverse that effect? So self-care is where it starts. And I know that's a popular term that gets thrown around, but it's really taking a look at what you as an individual needs, taking care of your body, because taking care of the body, body takes care of the mind and vice versa. So if you start to see that you're not feeling well, making sure it really gets back to the basics, making sure that you're eating well, that you're sleeping well. I know I'm not a medical doctor, but I still promote like water, vitamins. If you need to see your doctor for medication, do your blood work, take care of yourself, making sure that you're managing your stress level. And I know that's easier said than done, but really, truly being aware of what your stressors are, when that happens making sure that you have activity in your life, not just exercise, but genuine hobbies or interests that you get joy from. That helps us manage our dep- depression or depressive-like symptoms. 
Having a sense of community and positive supportive relationships helps our depression from being from sinking further um, into a clinical syndrome. And then also having a sense of purpose. Sometimes people feel really depressed and dejected and isolated when they're struggling to find a purpose in their life. And so if you take a look at that, eating well, sleeping well, taking care of your body, having good supportive relationships, having some some purpose in your life and some joy, those are the things that can help anyone, no matter where they fall at on the continuum. And if they're further down the continuum, then you're looking at maybe some professional help and maybe some medication added into the recipe. I like how you included purpose in there because working with different groups of people in the homeless population at Family Community Services for the last 10 years, I've seen patterns, and it doesn't matter if we're talking homeless veterans, homeless families, youth. I've had a mix in all that over the years wearing different hats for the agency. And I do notice one thing that's that's a common pattern. And I noticed this. There's three things I kind of boil it down to in regards to just enjoying life and being fulfilled in life is healthy relationships, which you mentioned, a strong sense of identity, knowing who you are and how you fit in the world, and having a strong sense of purpose. Absolutely. That just gets you, whether that's being a parent through an employment, a job that you feel a sense of purpose, coaching, volunteering, or whatever that is, if you have those three those are three things to help grow that could that could help put you on the right path. And so thank you for mentioning that because I think all the time we always look for medication. We know the exercise and diet, which none of us actually do probably, <laughs> or we do very little or not enough of. So we try and to kind of go in there, you know, we try to work that out. So I, I think those are very important things that don't get talked about very much. Build your healthy relationships. And part of that's going to be getting rid of the toxic folks out of your life. Yeah. I had to do it for many years. I didn't get along with my family years ago. And so there had to be a time of separation because of the dysfunction. And now I was able to handle it. Now I could develop, go back and develop those relationships. Now I'm a little older and more mature and they've grown as well. So that those are key things that not a lot of people talk about. But with that being said, there's also this big question that you and I talked about before we started recording. And that I know when we did an interview with Jennifer Parmenter, we talked about this. This was like the $10 million question is... How do we know when we need help? Yeah. Is this something we can fix on ourselves? Is this something we do? You know, we talked about there's three levels I kind of made up on myself. Like a little pyramid is the first level of self-care. Okay, if I'm feeling down, let me hit the gym, release some stress that way. Let me go walk in the park. Let me kind of, you know, maybe take a vacation, whatever that looks like, do some hobbies. That's not enough. Let me reach out to my support system. Let me talk to some friends. Hey, I'm kind of feeling down, you know, getting that social aspect there. And if that doesn't help, there's that third option that, that many of us honestly are afraid of, and we shouldn't be. That's part of the stigma of this whole thing of the whole mental health world. But the third part is when I can't fix on my own, I can't get help that satisfies that need through my support system. It's time for professional help. What advice would you give those folks? Uh, that's a great question. And I think it relates to if you can correlate it to the concept of what you just talked about as those first two rungs of self-care and your natural support system as being kind of like the over over the counter treatment approach. And I would I would really recommend people to approach their mental health in the same way is if the self-care and those natural support systems and your general coping mechanisms aren't quite managing what you have going on then like anything else, we always step it up a notch and we we refer to the advice or the professional guidance or recommendation to a professional. And so if those first two rungs aren't helping, seeing a professional to help us with some solutions and some strategies is where it's at. My hope for people out there 
in reducing the stigma is we all aren't born with the answers and, and knowing what helps all these situations. And so by going to a professional that might have more insight or recommendations or tricks up their sleeves, you know, resources to give us, it can help by going to them to ask them, well, I've done all these things that you that usually work or typically work, but it's not working. What else can I do? Because then they're going to have some feedback and some insight and some strategy that you just might not have thought of before. And some people have this idea, and I've dealt with this working with folks, and I've probably thought about it myself, is I don't want to have to do that. I don't want to have to go talk to a shrink once a week. Just how people were didn't think about in their head. That's how I thought about it. I don't want to have to go. How am I going to get off work? How am I going to do it? We kind of project these what ifs out there. And it kind of keeps us back from getting the help we may need. You may not ever have to come back. You may go go through a a one-on-one consultation with the counselor and get an assessment, and you may not need it. Maybe it's just a couple quick fixes in your life, getting rid of a couple, you know, bogus yep. family members, <laughs> whatever that looks like, get some healthy boundaries, and that may be enough. Maybe you come two or three times, just like you do yep. your, your a medical doctor. There's really no difference. You know, it, it's often like fixing the car like a medical doctor. You know, you go there, well, I had the symptoms, let's try this, and it doesn't work, let's try this kind of thing. And I don't know why we get up in arms with mental health. And the other part that we deal with with that is some of the folks I've worked with would tell me, no, no, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to be one of those kind of those people. And I'm mm-hmm. like, what do you mean? It almost seems like they think it legitimizes that they're crazy. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's not what that means. No. Someone with cancer is not cancer. If right. you struggle with depression, it doesn't mean you're crazy. It means you struggle with depression. And so- what advice would you give them to get over that little, just that emotional hump of the stigma that they may be wrestling with themselves? Yeah, it's just realizing, maybe just realizing within themselves that whenever they go, whenever they have a problem or a need or an issue, we are all so quick to consult the internet, consult consult our Facebook friends, consult our doctor, and mental health is no different. You know, we all, there's somebody else out there that has some solutions. So if the, if the more they could think about it in terms of, I'm just trying to solve a problem that I don't have the answer to, or I need a different set of solutions for the, for the, the challenge that I have in front of me. I really think that, I really think that could help. And the more that they think about mental health being their healthcare, there's a lot of people out there that go to the dentist at least twice a year for their typical cleaning, right? For their maintenance of their dental health. Well, imagine if we approached mental health like that. You know, one of the things that I do in my consulting firm that I have is mental health checkups. I promote that of why aren't you coming in and checking in with with somebody like me on your mental health? You know, what's your regimen? Is it working? Is it not? Does it need tweaked? Here's some things for help. Okay, see in six months or a year. I hope it works. (laughs) That is so good. To me, that's like, why are we? I'm not we I'm not talking our agency. I'm talking everywhere. Why are we not broadcasting that you do an annual visit? The insurance companies usually give you a free annual, right? As part sure, of the full well care, right? visit. <laughs> Why isn't there like a free, you know, the insurance is going to cover an annual mental health visit? Because a lot of people, you know, from even from early on in my career and even to currently, there's a lot of people that come that need to know that they are okay and that life is happening, that there's medical conditions happening. And that just because what I call wobbling, what, just because they're wobbling right now, doesn't mean that there is something naturally defective with them, that they're not right. adulting properly. They're just human. And so if we could just continue to approach mental health as healthcare and as something that we invest in ourselves for our well-being, it only makes us better 
but it makes our families better, our relationships better, our community better. And it just has such a, a ripple effect. Every time I do a podcast like this, it's almost like therapy for me. It's funny. <laughs> and I mentioned Jennifer earlier. Every time we've done interviews, I feel like I'm not even asking for help, but I feel better when I get off there. I feel like well, I right. process and, and I feel calm and I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. And so sometimes even if you're not going through something, it's just cool to kind of talk about stuff with someone. And, and at the end of the day, you're like, wow, man, I felt like I had the freedom to help myself, even yes. though I really didn't think I needed help. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense at all, you know? It absolutely does, Mike, because I think that all of us, the help that we all want and even need in our lives is to be listened to and acknowledged. It doesn't necessarily mean that we need something fixed. I have a saying that when you work with people, do they need sympathy or a solution? There's a lot of people out there that they just need sympathy. They need a sympathetic, supportive, listening ear. And look at how we feel that right now. We're feeling the magic of it. You're not solving a problem for me. I'm not solving a problem for you. But there's something magical in just talking about things, isn't it? Yeah, there is. And unfortunately, with our society and technology, we've gone more connected long distance wise through social media, Facebook, Twitter, all these things. But at the same time, we've lost that connection one-on-one. You know, how often, and I'm guilty of it. I've been to a restaurant where everyone in the family's got their phones out. And hey, did you see this? (laughs) Did you see this? We're all guilty of it. You know what I mean? No pointing your fingers. (laughs) And so it's kind of like, sometimes it's like, okay, dad, put the phone down, you know, kind of thing. And I have to remind myself, there's people in front of me, let's talk. And so, and I'm not one that actually gets too into it. I didn't think, you know, I don't think I do anyways, but I catch myself, you know, hey, my son's around. I'm looking up stuff on Facebook, like channel surfing. You know, there's nothing on there. What am I doing? Put yeah. the phone down, be present. And so that's something we could all work on a little bit. But um, so one last question. We talked about the stigma. We talked about what it looks like when we have it or could potentially have it. You know, if I'm an employer, because now they're calling it the great resignation, which I think is kind of a, a branding joke. It's really terrible. It's a terrible narrative because it's, it's actually baby boomers retiring. But there's a labor shortage, right? That's going on. And so if I'm an employer, you know, the old days, you would just, someone's not working out. You didn't care why you just fired them. And now we can't really do that anymore. You know, we're trying to get help. We can't just let people go. But if I'm an employer, if I'm an HR manager, like a third of our safety counselor, HR managers, how do I begin to see potential employees that maybe having issues? Maybe they're showing up late. Maybe they're having their little edgy at work, whatever the, the symptom is. How do I start recognizing that, hey, there may be a mental health instead of losing that employee and writing them off to go through that process? How can I maybe connect them to our EAP and maybe get them help in a gentle way without getting too involved in their personal life, but creating an open door for them to come through that? Yeah, I think that's a wonderful question to ask for us to be aware about in, in the employment setting is just simply recognizing like of what you referred to earlier is there's usually some typical signs. People are creatures of habit. And so they tend to look and act and operate in a very predictable, typical pattern. So anytime you start to see people a little off their pattern for an extended period of time, and I'm talking not just a day or two, just more than a few days, maybe a couple of weeks, that might be some good insight that something significant is going on with their life. And just a simple conversation of saying, hey, how are you? And genuinely stopping to listen to the answer if they're comfortable in giving it. And then connecting them to resources, just taking the risk of asking and connecting. I I say taking a risk, but really, you know, being courageous to make that connection with people um, because we're all human. 
at some point or another, it's going to be us. And imagine the power of somebody asking us, hey, how are you listening? And then, hey, is there anything I can do to help? Because sometimes the greatest piece of help is not only just asking, but connecting them to knowledge or resources that they might not be aware of. Something as simple as their EAP program that, hey, do you know there's a free resource at our company that you can access if you need it? And then pointing them in that direction if you're interested. If you're interested, reach back out to me. You know, that kind of conversation. Yeah, we actually had an interview and they, they came and presented to our safety council, uh, Life Services EAP. And they did a phenomenal thing. And they, they said one of the hardest things to do is to get employers to actually be proactive in sending people to the AP. Usually when they get referrals, it's almost too late. So yeah. what they do is they go to the company picnics, they show up on site, and they come out and establish relationships with employees, know who they are, they see them around, and nice. they're more comfortable. But a lot of employers have an EAP program, and it's just a sign on the wall that people just probably see every day and ignore it and don't think anything about it. But how far can that go if you're an employer just to say, you know, we do these safety toolbox talks, but like instead of talking about safety today, let's meet in five minutes. Let's talk about your mental health. How are you? We're, we're coming to the end of the pandemic. There's a lot of stress. We're short staffed. I just want to make sure, are you okay? How are you all doing? You don't have to tell me here, but we do have help. We do have this program if you need it. Take five minutes and just uh, tell your employees about that. How, how far of an impact do you think that can make? I think it can make a huge impact. In fact, I recently consulted for a company a couple months ago that had a situation happen and there were some employees that were that were suffering and they needed some help. And I asked if the company had a formal EAP company or EAP program. And of course they did. And I said, do your people realize that they have that free resource at their disposal? And they kind of forgotten themselves. You know, they kind of lost sight of their own resources. And they're like, oh, that's a really good idea. Let me remind our staff that we have this resource for them and then how to get in touch with that. That can have a huge impact. And then like letting the people know that it's confidential, it doesn't impact their employment and that it's a free resource to them. That helps remove a lot of barriers for people in accessing some brief solution-focused help and support they need. Absolutely. And you're already paying for it, so you might as well promote it. Yes, get use absolutely. Out. Get what you're paying for every year. Absolutely. Instead of just cutting them a check and never seeing them. So, absolutely. Uh, and then you can hire a great company like Life Service EAP that will come out and make sure they're coming out I and doing love the thing and not just taking your money. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And so, man, if someone's listening to this, Kelly, and they're struggling with depression, like, hey, you know, I want my annual visit. <laughs> I want to just sit down. Maybe they're deeper into that. Maybe they know they have depression. How can they reach out to you and Family Community Services and set an appointment up to start taking care of this mental health issue? Yes. And so Family and Community Services, we have a large behavioral health program with four different locations in Trumbull and Mahoning County and Portage County. So it just starts with a phone call, calling one of the numbers at the location that's nearest to you, letting them know that you want to set up an appointment. And then the, you'll, you'll share some brief information about who you are. You'll set up an appointment. You'll do an assessment. And they'll help you understand what's going on and, and problem solve together and talk about the resources and support that's available to you that, you might, that someone might be interested in. For somebody like me, they're welcome to check out. They can Google my name, um, check out my website. I have a free consultation service, or they can schedule for a service and do a pre-screening questionnaire but they're welcome to take a look at my website and see if even somebody like working with me might be helpful. Sure. So you can reach out to Family Community Services. I will put the link to the website so you can reach out to any of those counseling services in any of those areas. 
in the show notes. So you just click on the show notes below. It'll have a link there. And also, if you're an employer, they yes. can reach out to you and bring you on as a consultant to help manage maybe some of the health and wellness and, and talk about some of the stuff and train their staff and what we've been talking about today, correct? Yes, sir. Yep. They can actually schedule a, um, a, a learning ev- a event that's custom tailored to their teams or to their company with what their needs are. Um, I really enjoy doing that, those custom tailored events to what they need. And so they can visit my website, book a discovery call, and we could talk about what they're looking for and make it happen. And what's your website name? KellyYunkinsConsultant.com. Okay. And I will put that link under your name in the show notes as well. So you can click on that. Now, uh, put a little disclaimer out there. Not every podcast app allows links to go through. Apple does. So we have a lot of Apple listeners and I think Spotify may as well. So if you're listening on those, you could just click that. Otherwise, you're going to have to copy and paste or Google that out there. But Kelly, thank you so much. This has been amazing. I love this conversation. We're going to be doing more series on anxiety, PTSD as the coming weeks roll out here for Mental Health Awareness Month. So thank you so much for coming out and sharing your wealth of knowledge. And I look forward to having you back. Thank you, Mike. As always, it's a pleasure to be on. Thanks for having this conversation with us. And everybody out there, thanks for listening. Be safe. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more episodes, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbeam, or Stitcher. To get new episodes sent directly to your phone or smart device, be sure to subscribe. To learn more about how your company can earn up to a 4% Ohio BWC premium rebate by becoming an active member of the Portage County Safety Council, please visit our website at www.portagecountysafetycouncil.wordpress.com. The preceding information is for entertainment purposes only. Views expressed may not reflect the views of any affiliated or sponsoring individuals or organizations. Listeners should carefully weigh information provided and seek advice from an appropriate professional before implementing. Listener discretion is advised.